Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Sunday, October 4th, 2020. Coming at you from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Chris Peters of ESPN will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. Lots to prepare for with the draft and free agency right around the corner. No question about it. We want to remind everybody we are powered by Go Hockey Media and sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. And make sure you check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com so you know what you're going to order when you get there. We're also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long-haul times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, and they are diehard Islander fans. And with that, Christian, it is finally October. I didn't see too many Is It October Yet hashtags this year. (laughs) Because it's a weird one, buddy. Instead of pucks dropping on the new season, we got the draft coming on Tuesday. A little Zoom draft, right? Going to be via, I suppose, video conferencing. And then we got free agency on Friday at noon. So we got an offseason in October. Here yes. we go. We, we, we teased it a little bit last week. Now we're going to get a little more in depth. We're going to talk about the draft, talk about free agency, how it's going to affect the Islanders, their cap situation. What do you say, CA? Yeah, it is bizarre. And, you know, it, it's funny because in, you know, the Facebook memories and the Instagram memories that come up every once in a while. I you forgot, like posting those, yeah. I do. But I forgot <laughs> that this was the day to, the, you know, this was the day to the year that the 2019-2020 season started last year, last October, October 4th at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum where the New York Islanders squared off against Barry Trotz's former team, the Washington Capitals, to open up the season. So it is very bizarre that we are just talking about really the end of the the conclusion of the 2019-20 season now with the draft, with free agency finally here, and... Just, just so weird. Such a obviously everything else that's been going on in the world is makes this year <laughs> yes. it, uh, equally as bizarre. But certainly, and there's the feeling, still three months of this year to go. Yeah. There's a whole quarter of a year to go, and, and we this don't know chaotic when chaotic. We do, year. We don't know when we're getting real hockey back again. So that makes it even even more bizarre because usually at this time, you know, all right, the draft is here. You know, prospect camp opens up in in you know a couple weeks after that for for all right. the, the teams, and then. You know, free we agency, and then the, the season and training camp start. Get a potential tease of training camp. We were just discussing this before we went live. Uh, Seth Rohrabaugh tweeted uh, the other day. It might have been yesterday. I don't remember because all the days <laughs> just blend together for me now. But he basically said that after Tristan Jari signed his contract with Pittsburgh, that uh, him and his teammates were informed to be ready for training camp potentially starting November 15th. That is not confirmed. We don't know if that's a hard date, if it's going to happen. I believe he actually followed that up with, you know, something to the effect of it's fluid. It's not not a hard date. But 
We might be less than a month and a half away from training camp, which I think is hopeful, uh, as I yeah. believe you I, do as well. I don't think that's even remotely a possibility at this point. Yeah. I don't think there's enough going on in the world to, to, to meet the satisfaction from the National Hockey League to commence how they would like to do a 2020-2021 season um, with some fans in the building. Potentially, but I don't think they're that far ahead in planning right. a next season that they'd be comfortable starting that that quickly. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's just. I'm, and again, like Seth is a, Seth is a, is a friend of mine as well, uh, and that's not a knock on on the reporting or anything like that. I want to make that abundantly clear. I just don't think that's a realistic um, situation. Hey, he's I'm just sure, reporting what he heard. Yeah, I'm that's sure all. players were told be you know be potentially ready, but it, it was the same thing we heard back. When we had no idea when when if the twenty nineteen yeah. twenty season was gonna was gonna right. start again, and people right. were hearing, oh, they told them be ready in Mar- May first, be ready June. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think the players are told to be ready, but there I don't believe the NHL has a, a, a date in mind because there's a lot of things that have to go into it. And, and Lou Lamarello said he hadn't heard any news at this point. And if we're talking November fifteenth, right? That is. Oh, just a little over a month away from this point. And yeah, it's like five weeks. It's hard to imagine yeah. the league being that prepared or, or any of the teams being that prepared with no real knowledge at this point. We're, right. I mean, we haven't even had the draft yet. So Right. I mean, I'm all for it. Bring <laughs> hockey back as soon as you can, but I just don't think it's going to go that route. But you mentioned Lou, and since last show, he had a little press conference himself. Another, I believe it was another one of those Zoom-style <laughs> yes, press conferences. So he had some interesting things to say. A little bit of a difference between previous <laughs> general managers. I think you get a little more out of Lou than you do. Uh, maybe you did Garth in the past. But either way, <laughs> he he was a little specific and a little nonspecific, I guess, depending on what you're talking about. But, he, you know, he started talking about how, you know, he wants to bring back all of his free agents. And I thought that was interesting. Now, maybe that's not to be taken literally. It probably is not. But it does seem like he has a desire to keep as much of this team together as possible. He did speak highly of them in that presser. And we did find out that through Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period that apparently the Islanders and Derek Brassard have been talking extension, which I think is a surprise to both of us because I think last yes. week we kind of just dismissed him as, <laughs> yeah. as going somewhere else. So there you go. There's uh, number one where we were incorrect. It looks like he might come back. And... You know, we'll, we'll go over some of the other guys. I know we, we kind of glazed over it last week as far as, you know, who might stay, who might go. We'll focus a little more on that with the cap situation later. But, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. He he, he stated the fact that the goalie situation looks pretty obvious, which it does. We yeah. talked about that. I mean, yeah. we, we pretty much know how it's going to go with that. We talked about Thomas Grice. I mean, that was maybe the most forthcoming part of that press conference. I know I know you your initial text to me because we – Sean and I do talk a little bit during the, during the week. <laughs> we do communicate, despite yes. our, despite my best effort to not talk to him until Sunday. Right, um, right, same. But uh, you know, I, I, that was maybe the most forthcoming thing that Lou Lou said during that their press conference. I really, you know, I didn't think there was much said from Lou as far as what the game plan is, what the strategy is. Okay, um, I, you know, I think Lou does a really great job of saying. Saying a lot, but not saying anything at the same time, and I mean sure. that, that takes a special kind of form. person. Yeah, and yeah. that's always been his reputation from his days with the devil. Like if you at devils, um, if you asked Andrew Gross uh, something like that, you know he he certainly has plenty of stories where Lou kind of talks around a question and sure, sure and gives the information that he wants to give out, not necessarily answering specific 
comments. Yeah, well, by now he's got um, it down to a science. Yeah. He's been around the block a few maybe, times. Maybe the other most important, most notable thing to come out of that press conference was the fact that the Islanders confirmed now are playing at Nassau Coliseum yes. for the 2020-2021 season, whenever that is. Speaking yes. of next season, that's what they'll be calling home. So that that was probably the most concrete information we got out of that whole thing, which was surprising to say the least that it was, it was so... Um, it was such a hard confirm on Lou. Yeah, and they get Lou. one more chance at potentially a storybook ending to the <laughs> Nassau Coliseum tenure as the home of the New York Islanders. And you know what? Why not? Why not? They build on this team. They came two wins away from going to the final this season. Who knows what they might do next season? Wouldn't that be a storybook finish? Wouldn't I, that be magical if they were able to bring a cup home to the Coliseum before they move into the UBS arena? I think it'd be it's a great story. It's a great it would be a great thing for the Islanders, especially moving into a new venue and trying to capture the imagination of a, of a market that as we've talked about in previous shows that don't doesn't necessarily give them the attention, the respect, et cetera, et cetera, that maybe they, they deserved a lot more recently too, sure. considering their success. So it, it, it'd be a cool story. I think the NHL would pull its hair out trying to coordinate a uh, Stanley <laughs> Cup final or Eastern Conference final from the Nassau Coliseum. Right. It's limited capacity, to say the least, not only for the fans, but the well, media that would be descended upon Long Island. They already committed to it. So it's, yeah, no, <laughs> They're no, going to have to figure it out if it happens. Uh, yeah, well, don't don't count your chickens hey, before good, they hatch. Good problem to have if yes. it gets that far. But that, but. Is, that, is, uh, that was probably the most... The most concrete information to come out of it from from my perspective, and not just because I was the one who asked him the question, but because it was such a definitive answer. Yeah, and now there are no more questions about where the New York Islanders are going to be playing their home games for the foreseeable future. We oh, know no, where they're playing next season, yeah. and we know where they're playing after that, and you can close the damn book. Thank goodness. And it makes the free agency a lot easier. I mean, granted, there's a lot of complicated issues with free agency this year for the New York Islanders. They're right. $8.9 million of cap space makes it really, really hard to do a lot of maneuvering. But as far as getting players to come, and I think we've seen that change a lot over the last couple of years with Lamorello being there, right. um, the Pajot acquisition, and then him re-signing a, a contract extension almost immediately after that, uh, and his just overall praise for the organization and, and the franchise. So that perception has changed, and I think taking that one last issue off the table really clears the Islanders from that that old reputation they had of being a destination that players didn't want to go to. Where oh, I'm, I'm right. going to Long Island. Right. I'm you know it's a concrete jungle, and then you know because <laughs> the players really only had the perspective of staying at the, yeah, at the Marriott, and ownership on certain teams, right, exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, so it's it makes be it a easier. Animal. It makes it easier, and and it, it certainly makes the discussion a lot more interesting for the Islanders too because. That's that's not an issue anymore, and it makes it it makes it them a contender, I guess you could say, for some of the I don't want to say bigger name free agents, but considering well, yeah. their but considering their cap, they'll get a seat at the table are, now. So I think they have a know? seat at the table. That's a good way of putting it for sure. And hey, look, we got the draft coming up. We're going to be talking to Chris Peters at ESPN momentarily, so we'll we'll touch on that a little bit before we bring him on. You got those wacky parameters for the draft order due to the <laughs> pause, you know, with the whole. You know, the extra teams that they put into the playoffs, and obviously every, everybody remembers the, the draft order selection. What, they had to do a selection process twice, right? No, the initial that's... one and then the second one to figure out who got the number one, and then after it was rigged. <clears throat> I mean, um, <laughs> the <Wow>. Rangers. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking around. But the Rangers ended up getting number one. And, you know, you wonder if you're going to see some wheeling and dealing with this draft because it's a little different, because everything's so condensed. It's going to be interesting to see. And it's during the week, which is just Bizarre. strange as well. <laughs> and, of course, as we all know, due to the trade for JGP, 
The Islanders will not be picking in the first two rounds, but they will be getting the 90th, the 152nd, the 121st, the 183rd, and 214th picks, I believe. So you already forgot those numbers. They don't really mean <laughs> much. So basically they have a pick in the every th- round from third three through to seven. seven. Yes, exactly. That's really all I need to say. Exactly. So with that being said, let's break. And we'll get Chris Peters on. So, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We will return. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible Internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. 7800 or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com. That's tie, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying... Yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now is ESPN staff writer and NHL draft and prospect analyst Chris Peters. Chris, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, finally here. I'm glad to have the draft uh uh, in this never-ending draft season. It's about time. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's October. It's strange. It's going to be weird. And let's start there. I mean, look, we're, we're getting this draft coming in. There's a lot of uh, intrigue with the Rangers getting the number one overall. And I guess I want to start with this question. Where would you say this draft ranks as far as overall talent pool goes, I suppose, in comparison to others? Yeah, it, it's always tough to say. I mean, to compare, I mean, if you it all depends on how people, you know, <laughs> view drafts. Is it, do you view the entire class in terms of how many NHL players come out of it? Do you view it as in terms of how many stars come out of it? Um, I mean, I, I think the one, the way that I qualify this or quantify this draft class is that, it, you know, it's, it's above average, I'd say at the top. Um, and then it's just kind of like every other draft. 
as you, you know, go towards the end of the first round where the value just drops kind of precipitously from there. And um, that's kind of how it always goes. But then you have, you know, years like when the Connor McDavid and, and Jack Eichel year and uh, Matt Barzell and, you know, all these different things that kind of come into to play. But I think, you know, in terms of, of this draft, I don't think it's as good as, as you know, that one or um, maybe, you know, maybe the year the, the Austin Matthews draft. I mean, it kind of depends on your, you know, kind of how you look at it, but uh, no question the top 10 in this draft to top 11 or 12 even um, is, is exceptional. I think, you know, in terms of depth quality um, you know, the, the type of talent that's available, you know, we've got a goalie in there, we've got two defensemen uh, centers and wingers, you know, it's, it's a pretty good mix there. Um, But, you know, I think that there's a pretty significant drop off, you know, starting in the mid range of the first round and, and then it just, you know, continues from then on. And that's, you know, pretty much a, a typical draft at that point. So I'd say, I'd say, you know, it's certainly in terms of the, the top of the draft it's above average. And then, you know, the rest of it is, is about what we would normally expect from a class. Right on. And you talk about those like top 10 to 12 guys, obviously everybody's talking about the number one going to the Rangers. Are there any guy, any guys outside of uh, that individual who might be a little not- notable for uh, anybody who's, you know, got their hopes up for that top 10, top 12 uh, in the draft order? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think really the you know the guys that are going to come right after Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Quentin Byfield, and and Tim Stutzla, and w- whichever order you know they end up coming in, um, I think they're two I- exceptional players that are going to be you know major players for their organizations, Los Angeles and and Ottawa. We're pretty certain that it's going to be those two guys that go two and three, um, and I think you know they're they're cornerstone type prospects, guys that you can. Uh, you know, add to a, a team that's, you know, both of those teams rebuilding. And so they're kind of, they can be centerpiece prospects for that. Um, but I mean, you know, and it just goes right on down. You got Yaroslav Skarov, the goaltender, who's, you know, probably the best goalie that we've seen come into the draft since Carey Price. Um, and that was back in 2005. And, you know, it's, it's rare for goalies to go on the top in the, in the first round of the draft. It's way more rare for a goalie to go in the top 10. Um, and, and I, I fully expect him to, I'm not entirely sure where yet, but I mean, I, I would be very surprised if he, you know, escapes the, the top 10, maybe 11 would be as far as he gets at that point. But, um, you know, so I think that's going to be really interesting to watch, to see where he goes. Um, and then I, th- you know, I think both defensemen too have top pairing potential and that's Jake Sanderson and Jamie drives. I think both those guys, they, they, they play very different styles, but those are the guys that, you know, you say, Hey, we, if we get one of them, you know, we might have a, a guy that's going to be on our blue line for 15 years, you know, and making exceptional plays. And, and also, you know, in Sanderson's case, a better defender and Drysdale's case, a more offensive minded uh, defenseman. So, uh, you know, that's the type of quality that we're talking about in this class, you know, guys that are going to be top line wings, top line centers, uh, top defensemen, top number one goaltenders. Um, I think there's a lot of star power there. Talking with Chris Peters. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters from ESPN.com. Also, somewhat of a friend. I've known Chris for a while now, and, and funny enough, we only met in person for the first time at the Nassau Coliseum <laughs> this year. Um, so we really do appreciate you coming on today, Chris. But obviously, we are um, Islander-focused. The Islanders now don't have draft picks in the first two rounds of this year's draft, so they have th- uh, a, a pick in each of the fo- final five uh, as far as the Islanders are concerned, what are you expecting from them um, as far as what they are eyeing to build their prospect pool down the line? Well, you know, not having picks 
early in the draft is is always you know you're not really going to find a whole lot of value in terms of guys that are going to make you know make exceptional prospects for your pool you know you're not going to be drafting your top prospect like many teams will be in the first round uh, guys that kind of rise to the, the top of the farm system so you know i think that you know especially when you don't have uh picks in the early rounds you you you, you know a lot of teams would try to trend towards upside guys that they feel have a certain quality about them you know they're certainly going to go off of their list and and their list is what it is and you know you just kind of hope that maybe you have a guy that's you're you know way high on your list that nobody else does um that lands you know to you and you know in the third round or wherever and and you know i think there's still quality to be had there um you know it's it was i think this year for me it's been you know especially because of the the craziness of the draft season um it was really hard to you know kind of find those guys that that i feel like are you know those those high high upside players that um you know kind of fit towards the end of my list as guys that I would say, Hey, these, these would be really good third or fourth round picks um, that would help a team. But I, I think there is that this year, you know, there's, there's some unique talents and there's a lot of polarizing prospects guys that, you know, are going to have that different valuations from, from different organizations. But I think that, you know, particularly in the Islanders case, you're not going to be landing anybody that's going to be exceptional. And so you're just trying to find guys that you think might, you know, play, play a role down the line um, or, you know, maybe strike gold in those mid rounds as we've seen can happen uh, in any draft. And Chris, obviously the, the Islanders with, with Lou Lamorello at the helm uh, and no draft picks in the, in the first couple rounds, is there any expectation that there'll be some wheeling and dealing, at least from an Islanders perspective to try and a get back into that first round or B use it as a way to try and maneuver some more cap space uh with some potential moves during the trade uh, during the uh, the draft, yeah, I think I think there's certainly going to be a lot of um, cap maneuvering. I think that some of the projections that you know, at least that I'm hearing from you know scouts, general managers, is that mu- much of the wheeling and dealing could come after the draft once teams have a have a better idea of who they have. I think it's going to be really difficult to try to get back into the first round. It might be a little easier to get into the second round, but at that point you know, what are you giving up to, to get into that range? And I, I don't think, you know, especially towards the end of the first round, I don't see really anything in there where it's like, that's a guy to have it player. You know, that's a guy that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to trade away a prospect or something or, you know, or a roster player for. Uh, but if there's an opportunity to, you know, shed some cap or shed some salary, you know, just trying to get uh, a little more flexible. I mean, I would never, you know, doubt that Lou Amarello couldn't get a deal done um, you know, that he, that he viewed would, would help the team. But I think it's just, I think it'll be a hard year to get back into the first round. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it would take something pretty spectacular for, for teams to, uh, to have to make that decision. But there, I, I will also say there are quite a few teams with multiple first round picks this year. And so those are the teams that I'm always interested in. Are they going to, are they looking to move back? Is there a way that they can manage to get right. a prospect uh, that they like a little bit more. Those are some of the things that we think about. Right, and you mentioned before that maybe due to the position that the Islanders are in, they might just be shooting for upside. But if we could be picky, <laughs> are there any specific organizational needs you might look at with the Islanders and say, you know, this is a position they may wa- they may want to supplement as far as their prospect pool goes? And then maybe you can just piggyback onto that, you know, just maybe a little assessment of the Islanders' current prospect pool right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting one because I mean, there's certainly there's certainly talent in there. I think there's guys that we need to see, you know, that there's a lot of, you know, longer term kind of 
players that we need to see. I mean, to me, you know, I'll include Noah Dobson in this because obviously he didn't necessarily play, but I mean, I think that that's a, a, the kind of guy that's going to be a top four defenseman for a long time. And, 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 you know, he's kind of at the top of the food chain in, in terms of prospects. And obviously everybody's excited about Sorokin. Um, you know, so many teams are, you know, the teams that are looking at Eskarov right now as a first round draft pick, they're thinking of guys like Shesterkin and Sorokin that were yeah. picked later in the draft that are guys that, that could be number one type, you know, number one type goaltenders and where would those guys go in a redraft of their own draft years, you know, so often much higher. So um, that's something that a lot of teams are thinking about. And then, you know, you think about the guys like Holmstrom, Wallstrom, um, you know, you think about the guys that just haven't necessarily taken a huge step. Yeah. I think Holmstrom is a real interesting one and I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what he does over the course of the next season. Um, you know, and, and certainly Wallstrom, it's, it's way too early to say, Oh, this guy's, you know, he, he had, he had some flashes of brilliance. I think for me, I just, I would like to see where, you know, I, I think he kind of lost his way a little bit this season in terms of what he's supposed to be as a player. Um, you know, I think he certainly needs to, because of his size and his strength, he needs to have a physical element, but I thought that he, he did that at the, at the expense of his skill. Um, you know, there's still some skating issues that need to be cleaned up. I mean, so those are the types of guys. I mean, I think the Isles are in a, in a pretty good position because of the youth that they have you know, in the, in the organization that guys that have kind of, you know, risen up the depth charts over the last year and, and, and played a role. And then, you know, it's easy when you have a centerpiece that's as young as Barzell. Uh, and so that's always a, a, a nice thing to have, but yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a middle range prospect pool right now, you know, if we're looking at the league as a whole. Um, but, you know, if you throw Noah Dobson in there, I mean, that's a key piece and obviously Sorokin's a key piece. So, um, as long as you have a couple key pieces in your system and guys that you think that are going to help you eventually or in the, in the near future, I mean, you know, you, you nobody's going to have, you know, some, some, some teams do when they're rebuilding, like have, you know, 10 or 12 guys that are like a plus prospects, but it's super, super rare to see that. So, um, you know, I think that they have a few guys that are in that a range and, and that's helpful for your system. Talking with Chris Peters, ESPN staff writer and the NHL draft and prospects analyst, Chris, Obviously, one of the unique things about this year's draft, aside from it being virtual, is the prep. And I, I'm curious to know from the scouts and some of the, the GMs you've been able to talk to, how has the um, COVID situation affected the team's preparation for the draft and their ability to scout a lot, some players? Because obviously there was no pro, there was no um, uh, draft combine this year, so play, you know they, they didn't need, get the chance to go out and see these guys in person and interview them. How has the the fact that they've been, uh, you know, had to have limited limited contact with their own staffs as they prep for this, and also the potential prospects that these teams draft? Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think most of most of the teams that I've talked to don't feel overly concerned. I, I think that they certainly miss the the having the CHL playoffs, having the World Under Eighteen Championship, the Combine, as you mentioned. You know, those are the the, the types of things that you miss having. They're just extra data points in the course of a season um, and, and give you a little bit more information. So I think that those missed opportunities, you know, were missed. Um, but at the same time, you know, they were still interviewing as many prospects as they normally would have at the combine, just having to do it over Zoom. And I talked to some of the players and I was saying they have, they might have 12, 12 people from a staff of a team on a Zoom. So they're looking at, you know, 12 different boxes and, and just, you know, saying, didn't, didn't really have too many situations where they were, uh, um, you know, they, they, where they, where they were getting like the crazy questions and everything. I think they were just, you know, kind of trying to do their best with, 
with the normal questions and just trying to get to know the players. And it's, it's obviously a lot easier when you're face to face and you kind of get to see body language a little bit more and things like that. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think that most teams overall, you know, they, there was enough of a season this year to, to really put together strong lists. Um, obviously every team went back and, and, you know, they were getting video, pulling video on more guys, making sure, you know, they might not have had as many views, but they've had views and and they've, they've done their homework. And, and, you know, a lot of the work that the area scouts do, it's not just the evaluation, you know, they were meeting with players before things shut down. They were collecting information before things shut down. And then I think, you know, it's just mad at this point, it's going to be the logistics of draft night and you know, how does everything work? You're not going to have your entire staff at your table. You're going to have, you know, guys on zoom, you're going to have guys over the phone, you know, but I think in terms of, uh, of everything, I haven't heard a whole lot of concern or worry about not having, you know, enough to go off of. They had extra time to prepare for this draft. And even some players from this draft year are playing right now overseas and they're getting scouted. So, you know, it's just, there's, there's been enough time to, to kind of mitigate some of the concerns about, you know, the logistics of everything here and scouting this, this season. Chris, I am curious, obviously, with where the Islanders are drafting. Is there are there any names in particular when it when it comes to the New York Islanders where you have them? You have a specific player on your radar where you wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in a New York Islander jersey on draft day that that fans can look um, forward to potentially seeing. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say because I mean, it's so much has to happen over the course. I mean, what I think their first pick is, is 90th. Is that right? I think it'll be the first time they pick. So, so, you know, I mean, if you're, if you look at, you know, towards the end of my board on, on ESPN.com, you know, there's, there's a number of different players. I think there's, you know, certainly goaltenders, defensemen. Um, you know, I think that defense is probably an area that, you know, you probably want to beef up a little bit just because you have some, you know, top forwards already in the system and guys that you're, you're excited about. And, you know, but you're you're not necessarily drafted for need. You're just going to look at your at your board and see who's there. Um, you know, if we're we're talking about guys that kind of fit that mold of probably won't be drafted early, but there's upside there. And there's actually you know a couple of, of Minnesota high school players. Um, I'm not sure that Wyatt Kaiser will be there, but he's a very talented defenseman, great skater, good athlete. Uh, uh, played at Andover this year and you know, got his team to the to the state championship and or the state tournament in Minnesota. Um, you know, I thought he looked, you know, it's hard to evaluate high school players against high school competition. Um, but I thought that he did really well. He's got, you know, good mobility, makes good decisions with the puck. And I think he probably played half of every game that I watched him. Um, you know, so he's out there a lot. Um, so Wyatt Kaiser is certainly a name to know. Uh, also Blake Biondi, who was, you know, the top player in Minnesota. Uh, he has, you know, the, the physical profile of a, of a power forward. I think that he still needs a, quite a bit of refining. Um, you know, he's a guy that came into the season with some people thinking maybe he could be a first round talent, uh, but as is often the case with, you know, high school players, they kind of try to, they, they, they fall back a little bit. Um, you know, so that, those are kinds of guys that, you know, you, you might be able to get value later. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's going to uh, the university of Minnesota Duluth, which has, you know, become a, a very reliable developer of talent. Uh, Scott Sandel and the head coach there is often up for, you know, in the conversation for NHL jobs each off season since they're the back-to-back national champions and we didn't have a championship last year. So I guess that means they're still defending. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a good player to kind of keep an eye on. Um, you know, there's some, certainly some others, uh, Antonio Strong, just another guy that was kind of a projected first rounder coming into the year. Didn't have a great year at London. Needs a lot of work in a lot of different areas. Um, 
he's, he's an incredible skater, a very unique skater. Um, he's a bit on the smaller side, but you know, he's, he's the kind of guy where it's like, Hey, if we take a stab late, you know, there's enough skill, enough talent there. Um, that, you know, if we let him develop and, you know, kind of see where he goes, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get him into our system and try to, you know, try to rein him in a little bit and, and figure out what, where we can get him. But those are the types of players. So I think if you're, you know, if you're looking at, you know, for value, I think that's, those are the types of guys in that 90 range that you could see, uh, providing some of that value with, uh, with, with higher ceilings. Talking with Chris Peters from ESPN. Uh, and, and Chris, by the way, does a phenomenal job. And I, I wanted to take a moment to just point this out because because I never understood how uh, in-depth he really goes when he's covering prospects and um, you know these guys, that names that we basically have never heard of. Nope. Um, Chris was in New York. He took in a New York Islanders game to see what it was like to be at the Nassau Coliseum. And I believe... That night, you were either coming back from, or you were going to watch a prep game in in the Boston area, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I, I just thought <laughs> yeah. that was fin- and and first of all, I thought that was insane. But I mean, really, it just goes to show the it dedication was. that you have for the craft that you you do. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting because you know I, I don't have the same budget as a scout, so you know I can't go to as many games as they see. But you know, like I was, in, I happen to be in Bristol. Uh, for trade deadline, That's I, right. you know, I, yeah, so I was there and then I was like, you know what, since New York's playing, one of the reasons that I go to NHL games over the course of the season is not necessarily to cover those games. I didn't write a game story off of that, but what I did do is, you know, it was an opportunity for me to see, you know, rookies and, and, and got to see Adam Fox play in that game. And, you know, certainly was trying to, you know, kind of get a feel for, for certain things. And, and, and it just helps you when you're evaluating talent, what are the things that NHL players are doing now? Uh, well, and, and to see the pace of play and there's so much you miss on TV. So, you know, to see it live and just to see every kind of different player, um, you know, and I did, I did it earlier in the season in New Jersey as well. So I try to mix in those trips whenever I'm out scouting. And yeah, I happened to go see Alex Jeffries at, at, uh, at the gunnery school in <laughs> Connecticut. Uh, so I drove back to to Bristol that night, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which was, was insane yeah. as well. Yeah, and then and then the next day I went and watched the game. Watched uh, I watched only a couple periods of that game because I it wasn't uh, it wasn't much worth watching at that point. But uh, Jeffries will probably get picked, and uh, you know he's an interesting talent as well, and, and could be in that fourth fifth round range. But uh, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. You know, you try to you try to get in as many of those games as you can, and the more levels that you can see, and the more players, you just get a better feel for the class in general. And um, I certainly watch mostly a lot of guys on video to you know close some of the gaps. Uh, but if I can see a player live, I I, I much prefer that, and uh, that was an opportunity that I had to take. Right on, right on. Well, Chris, fantastic stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday night and enjoy the draft. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Can't wait to can't wait to get it going. Absolutely, Chris. Take care. Have a great night. See ya. All right, folks. That was Chris Peters, ESPN staff writer and NHL draft and prospect analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. Excellent stuff. I feel like I got an education, Christian, because yes. as you mentioned, the draft isn't our forte. And that's why we bring <laughs> experts like Chris on to help us out. And that's why I wanted to mention the, just the dedication that goes into scouting these kids because Chris is also based in the, nor- in the Midwest. So 
This is, it's not an easy trip to go to Bristol, no. to go down to New York, to go back up to Connecticut to the Gunnery School, which is wow. all the major hockey talent or, or hockey school in the Met. I guess you could call that New England area. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say the New York metro area, but that's really the New England area. So right. certainly a school that that has produced and produces a lot of quality hockey talent. So that's not an easy trip. I thought it was worth mentioning. The man is dedicated to his craft. Yes. And does a good job. Yes. Excellent he, stuff. He's heard how weird I am now because apparently <laughs> in the commercial break, he <laughs> heard me singing along to our commercials, which I tend to do when we're not on air because, you know, because Christian hear him so needs much. to entertain himself. Yes. <laughs> Whenever there's silence. <laughs> I am a five year old in that regard. Yes, you are. <laughs> and, you know, the, the draft combine was mentioned during this discussion. And speaking of, I believe the Arizona Coyotes were were penalized for their behavior uh, for last year's draft combine, yes, right? Yeah, so they got doc- docked, I want to say, a, a pick or two or something yeah, like that yeah. this year. So, yeah. I mean, it's in the grand scheme of things, probably not, not the end of the world for, for yeah. anyone. But By the staff, yeah. it's no longer there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so good luck to the new GM, yeah. But, yeah, so... There you go. I mean, look, I know some people are a little more into the draft and prospects than others. Again, not our expertise here, but we appreciate Chris coming on to help us out with that. But we'll continue on the draft a little bit here, and then we'll start talking about free agency, maybe some trade targets for the Islanders, what they might be able to pick up to supplement this team if Lou is able to work some magic around that salary cap situation you mentioned earlier in the show. So we got one that's experts you know, view on this, and we are stealing now from another. <laughs> Corey Pronman over at The Athletic jotted some notes down. He believes the Islanders' draft needs are at center, which is interesting. I guess with, with Barzell graduating and Beauvillier also graduating and, and not really becoming a center, it seems. He's going to be a winger for this mm. team. But he feels like that's the way that they should go. But funny enough, you know, after saying that, I look at the, the names that he has pegged at the Islander draft picks, and none of them are centers. <laughs> but I'm going to give you that list and all names of Christian I have never heard of. But he thinks because he did he did a mock draft. He's another guy who does a great job. He's really tuned in with the prospects and the drafts and stuff like that. But he has a, a winger from London going number ninety to the Islanders, Antonio Strangis. Assuming that's how you pr- pronounce the name, I have no nothing else to add <laughs> other than the fact that that's the fellow's name. Uh, One twenty one, Trevor Kuntar, left winger out of Youngstown in the USHL. At 152, Vili Adovainen. He's a defenseman out of Kitchener. And then you got Amir, oh my goodness, Amir Miftikov, a goaltender out of Kazan, which, you know what? They probably got to add a goaltender or two to this prospect pool with potentially Chris Gibson moving on, the the long-tenured Bridgeport goaltender. And when you look at the way Lou has drafted the last couple of years, he has been pretty um, diligent in drafting in all positions, pretty equally. When you look at the last couple of years, last couple of draft classes with the New York Islanders, so it would make sense that that it's again somewhat spread out in the variety of player that they pick, whether it's a couple goaltenders, whether it's a couple defensemen, um, which I think is another it's going to be another need that they're going to need to address down the line. So I, if I was Lou Lamorell, I would be looking at a bit more defensemen. I think center makes two just from the standpoint of you look at the Islanders' depth at that position at the moment. It's not it's that It's not deep, there, and that's, no. it's been It's been obviously um, exposed during the playoffs where you saw them have that issue. You saw them they have that in the regular season, which don't was have a major the issue, issue now with the with the main group, with the, with the guys who are on the team. Right, Their center but, depth is you put that against any team in the league. But yeah, as far as the prospect pool goes, yeah. it's pretty. It's, it's thin. pretty. Yeah. It's thin. So center makes sense. Defenseman, in my opinion, makes a lot of sense too, especially considering that's the 
Um, you know, when Lou Lamarillo builds teams, he builds them from the net out, and defense is obviously right. a huge part of that, And go, and go, as is the goaltender. So every year you do usually see the Islanders take a goaltender or two. Defensive would definitely be high up there, uh, in my mind anyway, if I was Lou Lamarello. Sure, sure. And just to round these names out, in case these are guys you want to research on your own time, at 214 in the seventh round, a fellow named Benjamin Zloty, or Zloty, Z-L-O-T-Y, defenseman out of Winnipeg in the WHL. So that's who Corey Promen thinks the Islanders might go for. He, you know, maybe he gets him right, maybe he doesn't. I haven't heard of him. You probably haven't heard of him. <laughs> we'll see I mean, what happens. The, outside of the first round, I mean, the drafts are crapshoots. It really is. This you is, always wonder, you know, who's going to get those diamonds in the rough, right? Yeah. Like you have Detroit. With, I think we talked talked about this last week, but the Zetterbergs of the world and the Datsuks of the world and even the Kucherovs. Of the world. I think he was a third rounder. And I think Braden Point was a second rounder, maybe. I mean, you get some guys that are just world-class talents that for some reason they just end up going late in these drafts. And I guess, I don't know, for some reason they fly under the radar when it comes to draft time, and then all of a sudden they blossom into these excellent players. Yeah, I think part of it is the fact that a lot of these teams have very good scouting staffs that put together these these pr- predictions and these reports that they're able to find those diamond in the roughs, and it's not an accident. And part of it, it's just dumb luck, right? Like it's 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 putting yourself in that yeah. position where you have a great staff that can identify talent, and then the other fifty percent of it is just fine and just you know choosing someone at random, and going, all right, we think this will work, but right. we have and, no idea. And I always have to laugh. You know, you always get the revisionist history. People looking back on drafts, like, oh man, the Islanders took this guy in the second round who never panned out into a player at all, and if they could have had. Braden Pointer, whoever it was, you know, so-and-so. And right. everybody's like, oh, you know, what a miss there, you know? But, like like you said, it is a crapshoot, especially maybe the second round, you're still a little prepared for, for who's going to be there. But I think once you get into the third on down, you're really roll, rolling the dice. And, and you're I, just yeah. grateful to get an Anders Lee out of a late-round pick <laughs> exactly. or whomever else. I forget if Scotty Mayfield was, was a second or a third. I think he was a second. But, but anyway, anyway, case in point, is it like – you know, once you get down to the depths, I mean, be honest with yourself. You didn't even know <laughs> who was going to be good yourself in those late rounds. And then when you start putting it on on the, the scouting staffs and the general managers for not taking one guy in the fourth round, you know, when Anaheim took him and he ends up being an all-star. I right. mean, look, that's just going to happen. It happens all the time. And you just hope that the, sta- the staffs do, you know, they're, they're – due diligence and and they make as confident a pick as they can at these at these late round you know draft picks but you know if Garth Snow was still at the helm I think there'd be a pretty good chance that the Islanders would be trying to get back into that first or second round Christian do you think Lou might be looking to do that himself I know you talked about it with Chris a little bit yeah no I mean I I think Chris is spot on when he said that it's going to be tough to to do the price is going to be pretty high and, and the Islanders don't have a lot of cap room to to maneuver they don't I mean you know they're going to have to trade some guys that uh, maybe they wouldn't want to deal in the, in certain circumstances. So it's going to be tough. It's I, I just don't know. I think this is the year where when you say when we say we really don't know what's going to happen. It's it's really we don't know what's going to happen because this year is so unpredictable with the circumstances surrounding the draft. The fact that the Islanders don't have picks in the first two rounds. And by the way, Scott Mayfield was a second overall. It was a second round pick. That's what I thought. Uh, and just to go back to your point, I did want to add one thing, too, sure. with that is even the first round's a bit of a crapshoot. When you look back at yeah, the success sure. of, of who, sure. who panned out and who didn't, I think the greatest example of that is the 09, uh, 08, 2008, uh, uh, Josh Bailey draft year, right? Everyone was screaming their heads for Kirill Petrov. Right. The kid, I don't... No, how many not, NHL, no uh, not Petrov. Uh, no, uh, Nikita Filatov. Nikita Filatov. Yes. You're right. Yes. Everyone's screaming their head off for Nikita Filatov. 
And how many games in the NHL did that game did that kid play compared to Josh Bailey, who's panned out? Yeah, I get it. Josh Bailey's still oh, he's an elite winger now, according to all Islander fans. After this playoff run, still, everybody's on board finally. He's still <laughs> he's still a pretty polarizing player um, uh, among some in the fan base, but all right. he's certainly Maybe more pan- have come around. Though. He's certainly panned out to a a quality NHL forward that is as hundred um, percent as as loyal to this team as as anyone. Uh, that's on there. I mean, he's the longest tenured Islander for a reason. He's been clutched the last couple of years in the postseason. I think yeah. that's just a great example of you know how. Uh, look, Josh Bailey got screwed because he got drafted in, in the first round at nine overall, and that's just not where he should have been drafted. Let's well, be not real. only that, he got screwed by the fact that he was expected to play the following year on a completely team, a com- team completely devoid of talent. Yes. So he got screwed in a couple ways, yeah. and that's, that stigma kind of followed him for, for a long time. I think if the Islanders had drafted him second, third round, like Josh Bailey is a guy that everyone loves. It's not the yeah. same narrative that that's the case. But my, my point being, right. you, everyone can kind of revise their the history they want it to. Right. Uh, but drafts are crapshoots. I'll it's, say this. It's part luck. It's part... I, I give I give fans and onlookers a little more leeway when they start criticizing GMs and scouts for the first round because I mean that's really where you need to build your team. From. No, for and sure. And if you swing and miss on a first round pick, that sets your organization back. And Islander fans know that, oh, maybe better than most. And you know, you talk about some of the more recent ones that didn't exactly pan out for the Islanders. When you look at Griffin Reinhardt, obviously he turned into something wonderful, right? In Barzell and by extension Bavillier, but. I mean, look, as far as, you know, swings and misses goes, that was a whiff and a half. Oh, no, no, and don't get me wrong. Dal Cole hasn't panned out yeah. to be the, the top five talent that was expected. He's not a prolific goal scorer right now in the league. It doesn't look like he's going to be. Ryan Strom had a great rookie year, and then he kind of faded, and then he kind of rediscovered his game playing alongside Panarin, you know, this past year with the Rangers. But, yeah, I, I feel like... First round picks, you gotta you gotta do a little better, and especially if you're in top five, top ten. I mean, it's 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 hard to excuse that. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm, I think yeah. it's a great example, though. Of, Absolutely, of case, just how much of a crapshoot and how things pan out for certain players and don't pan out for other players. But certainly, uh, I agree with you. First round is definitely where you build your team, but still, the same rule applies somewhat that. You really, yeah. at the end of the day, you really don't 100% know what you're getting if it's going to pan out or not. So for sure. For it is, sure. You know, it's, it's an interesting case, the way we, we judge talent and the way things pan out with, with some of these guys that were drafted. Like you said, the Anders Lees, who, who get drafted in later on and pan out to be really quality talents. talents, And then, the you know, Nikita Filatovs or, you know, certain other players, the Griffin Reinhardts, other guys that come in and, you know, are drafted by other teams or drafted by this organization, and that's just not what they expected. Indeed, sir. Indeed. And with that, we're going to take one more quick, quick break here, and then we'll come back. We'll start talking about roster upgrades. So once again, I want to thank you all for tuning into Hockey Night in New York. You can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We shall return. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Orange and blue are your team colors. Visit yesmenoutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting yesmenoutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system.
Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York, and the train rolls on. We are now going to talk roster upgrades. What can these New York Islanders do? Nothing. <laughs> Great so, segment, Sean. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Take care. Have As you know, show sponsored by... <laughs> no, no, no. Let's talk about navigating this salary cap and... Taking a look at who might be available on the trade market and the free agent market. As we said, that's opening up Friday at noon. We got an email from our pal Kenneth in Ohio, yes. longtime listener of the show, wanted us to talk potential ads in the cap situation, and we're going to dive into all of that right now. So shout out to Ken. Thanks for the email. We appreciate it. Keep them coming. Helping us out with our content. A very thorough email, actually. Great breakdown of uh, what, what he thought might be ahead for the Islanders. So great stuff from him. But let's get into it, and let's start with potential trade targets. Yes, Christian. it's, it's going to be interesting because this is, this is where the Islanders are going to have to really maneuver, and this is maybe where we, they end up getting more cap space. By yes. some of these deals. And, I, you know, the Islanders, obviously, when it comes to the Islanders and players that could potentially be dealt to make some room in the in, in the cap space they have, obviously, you're talking about a Johnny Boychuk. You're talking about um, a potential Nick Letty, Andrew Ladd. Right. Um, those guys, even, you know, Jordan Everly's name has been tossed around a little bit, which is, I mean... Not seriously, but it, it, there could be a on surprise. The there could be a surprise. Semyon, you mentioned Josh Bailey. Who knows? Sem, Maybe he yeah. ends up in a deal. Semyon Varlamov's name was mentioned briefly in a um, yeah. Elliot Friedman story yeah. in his 31 Thoughts. I, I don't Columbus, see it. They, he yeah. said was interested or somebody said that. But I, don't I don't see, see it. Happen. Yeah, I don't see that being the case just yeah. considering the circumstances with the Islanders goaltending situation and the way Lou phrased his answer or kind of unexpectedly throwing that part of the answer into an answer to an entirely different question. But the, it'll be interesting to see what the Islanders can do because obviously the first thing that comes to mind when you think when you think potential trades, and this one is one that Tony mentioned uh, when he was on the show last week, it's been thrown about a little bit more than I expected to, and that's the Zach Parisi-Andrew Ladd swap that the Islanders and, and Minnesota Wild came right. uh, very close to allegedly pulling off at the trade deadline, right. which came out of left field for everybody. Oh, yeah. And... The fact that it's still being talked about a little bit, it's still in the air, is a bit surprising, which makes me think that it's something the Islanders will try and revisit um, for Lamarola. But again, it comes down to what's the maneuver financially that the Islanders and Minnesota Wild can can make, because I don't think the Wild have much cap room either. So this is a real... This is a real issue for both sides that they have to maneuver yeah. this money around, and that's why well, it was such a hard deal to pull off at the deadline. Well, here is one thing we know, and it's tied right into that maneuvering you're talking about. Even before you talk about the Islanders bringing somebody in to upgrade this team, we know for a matter of fact, whether it's exciting an exciting move or not, the Islanders have to make moves just to keep their own guys. Yeah. They have to move out salary. Now, that could end up being a little more boring, and maybe it just means Andrew Ladd getting put on LTIR. I ultimately think that's what happens if he is not dealt. And I don't see him getting dealt anywhere else. It's hard to see any than, team Than to Minnesota it, yeah. for this Parise thing. So I think he's going to have his own version of Robidas Island if he isn't dealt. But 
Point is, they have to do something to move this salary around just to keep their own guys. And based on Lou's press conference, he wants to keep everyone. He, he's talked about, he was singing Andy Green's praises, how he'd love to bring him back. Right. We talked about how it seems like they want to bring Derek Broussard back. So, and we're not even talking about the guys that are higher in the pecking order, right? Like Barzell and like Taves and Pullock. Obviously, he's going to sign those guys to some sort of deal. And we'll find out if it's going to be bridged like you and I surmised or you know, hypothesized last week thinking right. that that's how it was going to go or if it ends up being a little more long-term with less less cap it, which I would be very happy with. But, I mean, it's just, what is it? Lou must be very confident in whatever maneuvers he has to make. He must be confident that they're going to get done if he's talking about bringing back Andy Green and Derek Broussard when they are so low on the priority list and, and, and just being able to keep them and shove them onto that roster and fit it all under the cap. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Andy Green, the answer that he gave was more in direct question to Andy Green specifically. It wasn't like the goaltending situation where he kind of brought it up himself. Sure. This was more of Shannon Hogan had asked him mm-hmm. about Andy Green and if his play during the playoffs had changed the idea of bringing him back or not. And that's where the we'd love to have Andy Green back comment right. came from. So in fairness to Lou, and, and the Andy Green thing doesn't necessarily surprise me either. Andy is a guy that he knows very well, obviously from his time with the New Jersey Devils organization and then – and having him seen seen play there, and then obviously the performance that he had and, and the vital role that he played during the postseason for the New York Islanders, it's not a surprise that he said that. And if he came back, Andy Green would make a little bit of little bit more sense than a Derek Broussard, in my opinion, anyway, because Andy Green at least gives you some more depth at the blue line. You're most likely gonna have to trade away. Uh, a Boychuk, a Letty, someone from that. I feel group. like Green makes sense if you deal Boychuk. Yes. But I mean, even if you, it's going to be one of those guys. That's the thing, though. Like Andy Green, Andy, it, it's Letty or Boychuk as far as the blue one. And in fairness to what you're about to say, Boychuk is probably the harder one to move, considering his age, his constant questions about his health, well, and I the contract he still has. It was Arthur Staple mentioned in a piece talking about this, and Boychuk might be. I mean, granted, this is relative, but a little more attractive in a deal than we thought, in the sense that because. And we, I think we touched on this last week, too, that his money expected is actually lower than his actual cap hit, what he's actually going right. to be paid out, whereas a team like Ottawa might be willing to pick him up in a deal because they're just looking to get to the cap floor. True, true. The Islanders of you know, the early we, yeah. mid-2000s. <laughs> We're familiar with that, um, yeah. But I, I, that's true in that sense, but it's still hard for me to imagine seeing a team take that, take that deal just to, to take it off the Islanders' hands. There would have to be some financial compensation I think what makes that tougher or not compensation but there needs to be some benefit for that side and what makes it tougher oh, is yeah. the Islanders don't have uh, any draft right, picks to, right. to deal with it either at least so, this year yeah. yeah so it makes it tougher to say hey we'll give you a first round or a second right. round or you know two a year from now two years from now well so, Arthur also mentioned that he doesn't believe the Islanders are too high on Kiefer Bellows so maybe he ends up being the sweetener instead of a draft pick maybe he ends up getting dealt with a Johnny Boychuk or something like that to, to make a deal and, and entice a team like Ottawa or, or some comparable to take on Johnny Boychuk's salary. It is you know? interesting considering, too, that if, if you go down that line, there are certain prospects that were sent across overseas to get some playing time. Kiefer Bellows was not one of them. Oliver Wallstrom right. was sent and was loaned over. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Holstrom was loaned over. Kiefer Bellows, surprisingly, was not considering the, I guess, importance you would imagine he'd have going forward since he was 
of the three of those guys, those I think those are the three most prolific f- um, forward prospects that the Islanders have. Sure. He was not sent over to get more playing time, and he right. had the biggest impact on the Islanders roster this season. You know, Oliver Wallstrom was up here a couple games and really didn't do much. Right. Um, Holmstrom wasn't up here. Um, he Beaver Bellis was up here, and he had two goals. Um, and he played pretty well. Right. So right. that is it's I mean, a little what do you surprising take from so that, a short sample size like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but yeah. comparatively that's why it's interesting then that maybe there's some some truth not truth yeah, but maybe I, there's some logic behind what what you're saying there. Uh, yeah, I ultimately think Lou is going to surprise us and something's going to happen that nobody saw coming. I, I You're going to get traded. <laughs> for a podcast host to be named later. <laughs> sure, future considerations. Salary dump. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm getting up there in age. I I, I don't blame <laughs> you. <laughs> but um Look, I mean, I started by saying let's look at some trade targets, and we, we kind of sidetracked into the Islanders' cap situation, which is fine because we want to cover that anyway. Well, because it, it, it plays such it a big all, part of, of it, course, too. But, I mean, course. if we're being honest about other potential trade targets, I think the one of the names that we also looked at and we said that could be interesting but logically wouldn't, wouldn't pan out would be Alex Kalorn, um, who Islander fans are very familiar with now considering yeah, the, I mean, <laughs> look, play, we, they played the Tampa Bay Lightning. We sourced the fourth period, and they have a whole trade watch 2020 going yeah. on. Basically guys who, who could potentially be on the on the trade table. And, like, yeah, Alan Kalorn would be a fantastic pickup, but Tampa's in the same situation as the Isles in exactly. the sense that they're looking to unload salary, so that's just not a match because, you know, the Islanders aren't looking to take on salary in a deal for a guy like that. they and unless they, you know, make some other moves, but whatever they would send back to Tampa at the end of the day isn't gonna isn't gonna help Tampa's situation. No, no. So I don't see a match there. But just to to rattle off some names, you mentioned I think Line A earlier in the show. He's on the we block. Did not. Oh, okay, maybe that was before the show. we mentioned it before the show. <laughs> right there, you go. We, I I had said to you that I was surprised that there's still this chatter around the Islanders yeah. and Patrick Line, which you're not as convinced. Not, not to say that I think it's going to happen, but I think the fact that it's still out there in the universe yeah. that there's some there's something there's a reason why. And I saw some decent points being made out there. The fact that he could kind of be a, a project in a similar mold to what Barry Trotz did with Alex Ovechkin and how he kind of helped to round out his game and become a more complete player. Because, I mean, that's the knock on line A is that he's he's basically a one-trick pony, a great trick at that. But, you know, if, if he's going to play in a Barry Trotz system, the guy's got to learn how to play defense. Right. And you wonder if that's something he's going to be able to do. And, look, you know how much I praise Barry Trotz, so if anybody can turn a guy like that around, it's probably him. So, look, I certainly would not be against picking up line A, but, you know, obviously there's the salary concerns. He's at a good age. He's still a young guy. He he would have a cannon for the power play. There's a lot of things to like about him. And, look, if, if Lou Lamarillo can jump through whatever hoops he needs to to get a guy like that, I'm all for it. And maybe, but maybe you look a little lower on the on the depth chart of the Jets. Maybe you look at a guy like Ehlers. Yes, that was another name I saw people mention, which I which I don't think is a bad uh, second option either. If that's not at all, I'd be happy. I, I yeah. feel like that's a more realistic option. That's, and is I that feel what like you think he's the big loose surprise is going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think the Lou surprise could come in any form. It might be unloading a guy we didn't expect the Islanders to unload. Do you I mean, want Do you want to wager a bet here? I mean, sure. Let's you, have some fun. You, all right. What do you What do you think is the big Lou Lamarill surprise? If he ends up having trouble unloading cap, like if he just looks up and down and whatever options he has, whether it's burying some guys down at Bridgeport, putting the guy or two on LTIR, maybe just stacks it with Lad and Boychuk, and then your problem solved. But 
you know, maybe, the, and I am not endorsing this. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. But, you know, you look at the few guys of value that they might be able to get something worthwhile back in a trade that might help the team. I don't know. Maybe we get shocked by something like a, a Josh Bailey getting dealt somewhere or something like that. Again, I am not advocating for that. I hope he <laughs> retires an Islander. I'm a fan of Josh Bailey. But we're really just going to see how desperate these general managers are, and Lou in particular, when it comes to this cap crunch and, and what they're going to have to do to make that happen. And, and he might end up doing something creative. And, and maybe they get something back that helps him out still in, in unloading a guy like that. But, you know, it's just so hard to predict because of this this climate that we're in now with the hard cap. And it's just it's just tough to see. So, again... I I just I feel like he's going to surprise us whether it's bringing somebody in or whether it's getting rid of somebody. I just think something's going to come out of left field that we didn't foresee. And you did not make any sort of wagerable comment there that we could actually bet on if it um, happens or not. Well, I mean, what's what's the other side of this? What's your wager? I, well, I would have said if I had to pick one, like the big loose surprise, it'd be them pulling off the Zach Parisi uh, Andrew Latt trade. That's what that that's what it would be my all guess. All right, but I you're mean, but you how surprising is that? But you don't want to play because ball it's or, it already came close. It's fine. All right, fine. All right, just 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 for the sake of it, the fun of it, and <laughs> to get it out of the way because we have other things to talk about. Yeah, my my loose surprise is they trade Bailey. All right, there you go. See, and, and we'll, you we'll, we'll think bet, they're we'll gonna get Parise. You know, I th- we'll bet a meal. We'll we'll bet a meal, and neither one will happen. It'll be a wash, and then we just move on. <laughs> Exactly. And let's do that right now. <laughs> and just mention a couple other names that could be trade targets. And, you know, I went down this fourth period list, and I didn't even bother with defensemen or goaltenders. We know that they're pretty solid there. So, you know, I look at Goudreau and Calgary. You got Palmieri. You got, we already mentioned Parise. Apparently, Phil Kessel may be on the block in Arizona. I don't know if that's something that, that piques anybody's interest. And you got Anthony Sioux up in Edmonton. Uh, he could be a forward that could be used on the third line, and you know I don't. It's 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 interesting if if Lou is looking to add to the top six and then bump somebody down into the third line, or if he's happy with the six he has in the top two lines and he looks to just fill the gaps on the wings for Pajot. It'll be interesting. It'll it'll be interesting. I don't know. I, I think everything everything that that could may or may not happen at this point is so contingent on. On that cap space issue, they're just you know what I mean. Like that's course, just I mean, the biggest course. thing. We kind of just the free agents, guys. I mean, it's this is kind of just a discussion where if you if if let's just say those salary cap issues were sorted out. I mean, <laughs> any of these names. I mean, you look at the names that we just went through. Is there anybody that sticks out to you and be like, you know what, he'd be a good fit with the Islanders? I, you know, he's a guy I'd like to see line up. You know, with the with the current team that they have. I think line A would be the would be the number one. Out of the trade, um, trade as, guys. As this, yeah. yeah, as far as the trade guys go, it'd be it'd be Patrick Line. I mean, more risk realistically, I guess, if we're you know if we're looking at it and going, all right, Line is most likely not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Killorn too, I think, would be an interesting option it's if if the cap there. issue yeah. if the cap issues weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone else really jumps out at me. I'm like, wow. I mean, Phil Kessel as a talented player. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if yeah, he necessarily I'm good brings with that. what need, the yeah. Islanders need to the roster. Right. right. Except maybe a hot dog part, I th- apparently. <laughs> you got, I mean, according to Steve Simmons, anyway. I'd love to see them get Ellers. I'll stay in Winnipeg with you, and I'd love to see Ehlers, Ellers, however you pronounce his name. But uh, I think I think he's a more realistic get, and I think he's a guy who would look good, you know, rounding out that. Uh, and, and he could be, 
you know, in your top six and maybe you bump a guy down and it just just make the the roster that much that much deeper. But it's like you said, it's it's tough to say. And and if, and if the the rumors are true that they're trying to bring Brassard Brassard back, then it's almost like well, there's just only really one spot to fill if they don't unload anybody. Yeah, and if that's the other wing. If you're looking to upgrade Dal Cole or Johnson or whomever maybe or Komarov, we don't know what's going to happen with them. And you know it's 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 going to be interesting, but I guess we can move on to free agents unless you have anything else to say about those guys. No, no, no. I mean, and even the free agent pool I think out there that's again realistic for the Islanders is somewhat limited. Um, you know, Taylor Hall is obviously an option that's yeah, and you got not, not going to pan out. Him. Yeah, you're going to need to move mountains. Uh, Mike Hoffman, I know, is another guy that Islander fans really have gravitated towards for for a while now. Again, just don't know if it's well, a, it's an option. And also, point. there's there's talk about him kind of being a one-trick pony, too. Obviously, not at the same level as Line A, but, you know, outside of the power play, I've read that he's he's not that great five-on-five. Five. And also, if I'm not, I don't know if the, if the issue was there with um, with him and J.G. Pajot, but him and, him and Pajot were in Ottawa at the same time when Hoffman was having all those issues with Carlson. Uh, mm. All the crazy off ice issues that they were right, having. right. So it had to do with I, a significant other. I, I believe, don't know if the Islanders want to yeah. even dive back into that 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 circumstance with Hoffman. He's a talented player, yeah. But from the from the looks of it, but at the same time, the the point you mentioned before, and plus the other off ice potential off ice issues, you probably don't want to play with fire in that in that circumstance. And then. Um, you know, got some other names: Dadanov, Toffoli, Granlund, Michael Grabner just got bought out. Yes. I don't know if he's a guy you might want to slot in to help the PK or something like that. I mean, he's not going to offer much offensively. We know this, right? Ilya, he's, Cole. A, he's a third line guy, you know, at best at this stage of his career. And um, I mean, know. his speed would be nice, but are you, you going to get the finishing Michael Grabner, or are you <laughs> going to get the Michael Grabner who gets stonewalled on every opportunity he gets? Yeah. You know, and and what kind of sal? I, I'm sure he would come on a, on a low salary and. Obviously, there's the whole nostalgia factor. I was a fan of Gramner when he was on the Islanders, but I'd like to see the name higher. You got a 36 year old Ilya Kovalchuk. I mean, I think you could do better there too. But unless you just want a weapon for the power play, uh, you got Walla in um, in Florida. He's going to be available as a free agent. And you know, Christian, if Ilya Sorokin, the White Whale, did not make his way over, if that didn't pan out, you know who I would have loved to see the Islanders sign. Out of these free agents, I know who you're going to say, Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to make Ranger fans throw up all over themselves. <laughs> he would never do it. He would never sign with the Islanders. But I would think it would be hilarious. Listen, I think he's going to go to <laughs> just the, for that go to a team alone. that that's going to give him the best shot to win, win a yeah. cup, and he deserves it. I know Islander fans are going to hate hearing sure, that. Sure, no, no, no. But I mean, he, he look, he was one of the best goaltenders to play in the, in this market for a very long time. And uh, even though he doesn't have a Stanley Cup ring to his name, um, you know, he's he's a talented, talented goaltender. I, I think people, obviously, Islander fans take shots at him because he was a member of the New York Rangers. But, I mean, they don't they don't make him like Henrik Lundqvist anymore. He's as classy as he yeah. is talented when it oh, comes to... Too, man. Yeah, so, I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with him going to another team to win a cup. And I hope he does because he, he deserves it. Well, he deserves it. Okay. I mean, sure, as long as it comes after the Islanders Cup, he can win one. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. I think I think if he goes to the right team, he wins the Cup in, in, in next year or two. Depends on who he goes to, but we'll see. And I guess if we're just going to pick our favorites out of these free agent potential free agents, I, I mean, look, 
we know Taylor Hall's injury history. I mean, I would still love to see the Islanders get him for the right price. It's, it, it would be hard to squeeze him in, and you'd have to put faith in, in him in being healthy. Right. But, I mean, having him next to Barzell would be pretty tremendous. You know, um, after what I said about Hoffman and the questions, I still might be willing to give him a shot, you know, just because they need that weapon on the power play. But, look, I mean, the truth is we don't know what the hell they're going to do and who the hell they're going to get. It's fun to, you know, speculate. Speculate. You know, I mean, again, first things first, he's got to navigate this salary cap and figure it out. I have faith that Lou will. He may do some things that make you cringe and and, and a little unexpected, but he's got to do something because, I mean, he wants to bring the whole gang back. (laughs) I think he's going to try to bring Martin back too, and I don't know how he's going to do all this. I I mean, I said it last week. I think Matt Martin's the guy that that comes back and – He'll take that hometown discount because yeah. he he just loves being a member of the New York Islanders and he wants to win yeah. as a member of the New York Islanders. So, yeah. speaking of guys that potentially could go to a rival team, Martin obviously someone who's been linked to the New York Rangers too as far as signing as a free agent. The only way that happens is if Lou just says thanks but no thanks. He wants to be an Islander. No, no, I he agree wants with to be you. an Islander. The Island, I, I think the you. Islanders want him back too. You know, also for that locker room thing, but we'll see. But unfortunately, we got to wrap. But real quick before we do wrap. We're going to put a little different spin on the hero of the week. Obviously, nothing's been happening on the ice. But one guy I want to highlight here, and I guess I'll play the music. And this is a unanimous thing. Christian and I just spoke about this before the show. So there's no guessing. There's no back and forth. But old friend Robin Leonard just inked a five-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's been well documented how, how much he endeared himself to the Islander fandom here on Long Island. And I just wanted to say a big congrats to him for finding his, that stability that he wanted. He got his five-year deal, and he sent out a little special thanks to Hawks and Islanders fans, particularly Islanders fans. And he opened up some more on his journey with Jesse Granger of The Athletic. You can check that out. Great stuff. But huge fan of Robin Leonard, and I'm just very happy for him getting his deal and uh, being the, the Golden Knights goaltender for the foreseeable future so good for him congratulations and if there's anything you want to add christian we can wrap this up no it, it certainly is it's good for robin and, and to see him land somewhere and, and get the contract he deserves same thing with thomas grice wherever he lands i'm sure islander fans will be happy for him as well there you have it folks so with that robin laner old friend of the new york islanders is your hero of the week and with that folks we are going to wrap the show up we want to thank you for tuning in as always we want to send out a big thanks to chris peters of espn for helping us out educating us on the upcoming draft (laughs) and prospects want to send a big thanks to our sponsors blue line deli and bagels remember they are located at 719 west jericho turnpike in huntington head on over for great food great service and great islander fans and you can always check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com and make sure you order that brand new sandwich, the Hockey Night in New York, because it's, it's effing delicious, folks. Awesome. Also want to thank Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TieTechnology.com, T-I-E Technology.com for all your telecom needs, or give them a call at 516-856-7800. Thanks to you once again for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shoney Hockey. And follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. We'll be back next week to talk about what happened at the draft. If any free agents happen, signings happen, potential trades. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We will see you next week. 